As Christians, we were taught to be good stewards over our tithing and giving to the less fortunate. But when it came to our own personal finances and investments, we are clueless on what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about managing debt, leaving a legacy, investing, or even planning for retirement? We answer these and many other questions because we want to teach you how to be rich and righteous. If this is your first time to the show, we want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill, welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and this is Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. Right? We have an exciting show for you today. I know you read the title, Living on a Prayer, God's Provision to Gain Clients. But before we start this episode, let's bring God into the conversation. As always, our scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now remember, God provides everything you need and not everything that you want. When you realize that God has given you all the tools you need to be successful, then it is easier to be grateful for where you are. And you won't feel bad about where you are financially because why? Because God knows this is exactly where you need to be today. With that said, it doesn't mean that this is where you will always be. Sometimes God puts us through things so we can appreciate the blessings he's about to rain down on us. But if we aren't grateful for what we have, why would he give us more? Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a spoiled child and you just gave him a cookie after dinner because he was sitting politely and he did eat his vegetables. But when he receives the cookie, he starts complaining that you didn't give him two. He starts to throw a minor tantrum. Now, what do you do? Are you going to give him the second cookie? Some would say no. God is like this too. But sometimes... God takes a different route. God may give that child a second one, then a third, and a fifth, and a tenth, and let him eat. And watch that smile turn into a frown. He allows him to feel the pain of a stomach ache from his greedy behavior. As it says in the Bible, lean not on your own understanding. The child only knew he wanted cookies, but couldn't see the consequences ahead. It was only through the suffering does the child understand how much the parent truly loved him by not giving them the cookie of their desires. So this is how God works. God wants us to be prosperous, but he doesn't want us to be greedy. Sometimes he is saving us from ourselves when he, when he withholds blessings, not, not because he doesn't want us to have it. He just doesn't feel that we are ready. So one of my favorite sayings is, if you give an alcoholic $2, he may drink for a day. But if you give him $2,000, he may drink himself to death. And sometimes we are not healed enough from the pains of our previous choices. And God is waiting for us to heal and to turn to him. So I want you to approach your finances the same way. Understand that God knows what's best and has provided for you what you need to make it to the next level. To be grateful and to allow the spirit to work through you. Now, as far as being patient in his faith and practice, our next guest understands these principles. We're going to take a short break and allow that lesson to sink in as we prepare to bring on our next guest, who is going to explain to you how he is building his registered investment advisory firm by strictly leaning on God's provisions. We'll be right back. 
Our next guest is a retired colonel who served in the U.S. Air Force. He has more than 28 years of operational staff and joint experience across multiple organizational levels. He completed the University of Virginia Certified Financial Planners Program. He graduated from Florida State University with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Computer Science. Not only that, he has a Master's of Arts in Religion where he graduated summa cum laude and a Master of Military Operational Art and Science. He's a Certified Financial Planner. He's an enrolled agent and Certified Kingdom Advisor which means he could fight for your freedom, organize your finances, help you file your taxes, and break down the gospel from a biblical perspective, where he helps individuals and families make intentional decisions that lead to clarity and confidence in their finances. Now, before you shiver in your combat boots like a new cadet at boot camp, I want to make this point. He's a man of God. He obviously commands respect from his work history, whether in the office, working at the Pentagon, his services country, which we are all proud of. But not only that, he commands respect because he gives respect. And by the end of the show, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. So when he is not giving God praise, saving clients from financial turmoil, or just being a great father, husband, and friend, he's blessing people like us with his life experiences so we can be just as successful. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give this man his flowers while he's here. So let's stand tall and give him your best salute as we welcome Bill Jensen to the show. Hey, Bill. Hey, Elijah Wan. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Oh, definitely, definitely. Like I so said, I'm just, I'm happy that you're here. I just think, you know, people like you in this world are needed. You know, we we have to celebrate people that are doing the right things in this world, right? I think too many times, you know, we glorify some of the bad things because it gets views or gets clicks. Um, and I, I really think people like you um, need more limelight to let people know that, you know, you are the bloodline of this country and of this industry as a whole. Well, thanks, Elijah Juan. I uh, appreciate the fact that you're you're doing more than what a lot of other advisors do. Of course, most of us kind of spend our time uh, taking care of uh, our clients day to day, and that's where we really put all of our energy. But you, you've taken the next step, which is to help advisors uh, either to spread their word or uh, share how they uh, take a certain approach with their clients. And uh, so you, you are a credit, not just to your clients, but also to the to the community, to really the industry. And I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, you're very welcome. You know, I, th I think the people who are listening need to understand that financial advisors are people, too. You know, we're, we're human beings. We have feelings. We have families. We have we have things that are going on in our lives. And I, I think sometimes we get, you know, we get detached from that aspect. Right. Like you said, we're, we're really involved with our clients. But sometimes we really need to understand about our own our own self and say, listen, you know, I have a lot more to offer than just financial advice. Right. We're all trained. You know, we're all smart. We passed all the tests. Right. But who are we as people that make people say, wow, this is a great guy. And that's why I want to bring you on. So, you know, to start off this conversation, can you just explain to the people a little bit like how did it feel? You know, what was it like, you know, working at the Pentagon? Well, it's interesting that you ask about that particular assignment because in the military, when you bring up the Pentagon, there's this collective groan, uh, <laughs> and they refer to it as the five-sided puzzle palace, and it, it's often associated with red tape and bureaucracy and all that. I did not have that experience at all. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the Pentagon. You are working with truly the cream of the crop of professionals. Uh, no, no organization, no service sends uh, their their 
you know, bottom feeders, if you will, to the Pentagon. They only send their very best. And so I found my colleagues and the mission and, and truly everything uh, about the Pentagon, except I suppose the commute, uh, was exceptional. Uh, it really was a, a bright spot in my career. Well, yeah, and being in that position to be, you know, the best of the best that they send out there, um, me and you had a conversation one day and, and we were talking about power, right? And we were talking about, you know, flaws compound with power. Can you, can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about the military, unlike the civilian sector, is that you literally wear your rank and accomplishments on your shoulder or your sleeve. And when one military person uh, sees you or, or uh, you know, even just passes you in the hallway, they know a, a lot about you just by a simple glance. And with that comes a lot of power uh, because your rank really uh, determines who's in charge, uh, no matter what the conversation of the topic. And, and again, with that comes power. And so you really have to think clearly uh, through that because uh, it can be intoxicating. It can warp your mind, quite frankly. You know, the, the joke is when I became a colonel, all of a sudden I was funnier, I was smarter, <laughs> you know, everyone uh, stood, you know, when I walked in the room and it just, it, you're, you're treated that way, I think for a reason, because in combat, there's no time to, you know, debate topics oftentimes, but a lot of the other times, however, it, it can be, it can distort your worldview and your perspective of yourself. Right, right, right. I, I think that's anywhere, right? And not even just in the military, I think that's, celebrities i think we give kind of this this power to them right the power to influence Certainly, which, yeah. which which is maybe that's what it is right is is it the power to influence people's behavior which is so corruptive right the the ability to make somebody do things without physically grabbing them right like, like i said you can walk in the hallway and somebody can stand at attention and somebody else can walk down that same hallway and they never even look in their direction right, right. so so I, th I think that's maybe that's what's so corruptive about it. It's almost like a, almost like a God complex, right? Cause God can make us do anything that we want to. So is, is maybe, is that what people get drunk with, right? A drunken with power, uh, the ability to change maybe. Yeah. Agree. Uh, you know, it's interesting when you hear a story about a senior officer, you know, perhaps a three or four star who does something just completely unethical and, and obviously wrong. You have to wonder, well, how did, how did that happen? How do they, how do they get to that point? And, uh, you know, being in that environment, I can tell you, it, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, you're slowly fed this warped perception that you're special, that somehow you're smarter than everyone else in the room and that you uh, can get anything you want. And I think it leads people, some people, uh, down the wrong path. And, and you know, fortunately, it's the, the exceptions that get all of the attention. That certainly is not the case for the overwhelming majority of people that I worked with. Right. And I think that's a topic I want to kind of touch on as well, because it seems like, you know, somebody in your position who's well-trained, well-educated, um, definitely decorated, right? As a person, um, professionally and personally, where did that transformation happen for you, right? From complete power of people saying, listen, I'll do anything that Bill says, you know, if he tells me to, you know, you know, you know, march down this, you know, <laughs> this, uh, this street, I'm going to march. If he says, go run this five miles, I'm going to run this five miles. So how do you, you know, describe what that's like, that transformation from complete power to where you're at now, where you're literally in complete servitude to your clients? Uh, 
Sure. So in the military, uh, very early on, first of all, I accepted Christ when I was uh, a, a young captain. So I'd only been in the Air Force about four years or so. And you know, Christ certainly exemplified what we would call in, in leadership studies a servant leader. You're, you're both a full-time servant. You're constantly thinking about the needs of your people. And yet, at the same time, they're looking to you for direction, guidance, instruction, a vision, and so on, and which obviously is very much a leadership role. And so there's this almost indistinguishable overlap of being both a servant and a leader. And so that was very formative in my leadership studies. And the military does grasp that. That is a big part of the culture, the leadership culture. So it's, it's kind of interesting how, in many ways, the, the leadership model is Christ-like in the military. You know, if I were to say servant leader in military circles, everyone would, you know, nod their head, you know, north and south because they they understand what that means. Right. But in a in a more relevant way, it wasn't actually until I retired, and I was, you know, the the full time civilian, you know, in the financial sector, and I no longer had my rank on my shoulder. I was just Mr. Jensen, I guess, and that was that was a, a turning point. It was a it was a good turning point, but. Uh, if you want to think of, you know, idols in, in, let's say, especially the Old Testament, you know, that are broken down and burned and, and what have you, you know, for the benefit of people, in many ways, it was sort of like putting to death a, an idol, again, because you, you have so much power and influence. You know, you, you say that you're a colonel and people immediately, um, you know, open doors for you and such. Uh, so, again, I, I guess retirement was also a, a big turning point. It was kind of nice, actually, to sort of get rid of that you know, overhanging me. Um, you're dealing with clients on a day-to-day basis, and you know they're they're you know you have that servant leader aspect once again, right? And but now you're dealing with financial planning. So can you kind of expound on how you help clients, you know, go into battle basically with their finances? Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll go back to uh, what I have as my tagline or uh, motto for Acadia Financial Services, which is wisdom and knowledge for your financial future. And what I tell prospective clients anyway, and then I, I sort of reiterate it with clients, is that as a financial leader, I'm looking to provide them with wisdom and knowledge. And you know, quick background, that's a reference to when Solomon became king in the first chapter of Second Chronicles. Uh, God came to him in a dream and asked him what he wanted or what he needed, and, and Solomon asked for wisdom and knowledge. And, uh, and so what I tell clients is, you know, my job is to help them make a fully informed decision that is paramount that at, at the end of a conversation at the end of a project they will be able to make a fully informed decision and so in a sense i'm serving them by providing them with both the knowledge the the technical aspects perhaps a tax code thing or whatever it might be but also the wisdom you know what does this mean really within the context of your family or in 2022 or in 10 years so again, that, that wisdom piece uh, dovetails with the knowledge. So again, how am, I, how am I a servant leader? I serve them with essentially information and, and how it looks to them personally, but then leading them by being the one who is on the cutting edge of whatever that new information is or the new law or uh, perhaps an unorthodox way of solving a problem that they had not thought of previously or, or just were not simply aware of it. And so, again, you're weaving together that servant and leader and wisdom and knowledge as you guide uh, your clients uh, through their stewardship journey. Yeah, I think that's very powerful. I like that wisdom aspect. Um, I think a lot of people say, you know, I think the old saying is kind of uh, wisdom is knowledge applied. 
And one idea I always kind of give out to my clients as well is the fact that I want to empower you with the information to make decisions, right? And not necessarily just follow the things I'm telling you by the letter, but understand the spirit in which I'm giving you the information, right? So when you're teaching, um, let's say a soldier, how to go into battle, you can't walk him through every step, like left, right, left, right, turn left, you know, pull out your gun. You know, you, you can't guide them in that aspect. You kind of have to teach them the spirit of battle, right? The spirit of the mission and put that in him. So when he's out there on the field and you're not there, he can still make decisions. And I kind of feel the same way with, you know, my clients is that I want to empower them with so much information, um, quality information that they can apply the knowledge and have the wisdom to help manage their finances because they know they're with each other or they're with themselves, excuse me, more times than I'm with them, right? I'm, I'm there, you know, four or five, six times a year. They're with themselves every single day. So, you know, I really like that aspect of education and, and being able to guide them in wisdom as well. So with that said, you're saying God gives Solomon wisdom, right? So as far as a mission, right, or task, how much do you actually put onto your clients? You know, what is their responsibility in this relationship, right? So you kind of crunch all the numbers, you put together a plan for them. What is their responsibility and how much do you give them at any one time? Yeah, great question. So the way that my situation is set up is I present them with a plan that essentially falls into three parts. Uh, you can think of the first part as discovery. That's where you collect your information. The second part is the plan itself. And then the third part is a to-do list, if you will. <clears throat> I refer to all of that as discovery, design, and, and direct. And it's that direct area that really addresses your question. So I tell them right up front when we get to the you know, the application phase of the plan, some of the items are totally my responsibility and I will do that task or provide that piece of information for them. Maybe it's setting up a portfolio for them. But there are certain tasks that I cannot do for them. For example, let's say they don't have a will. Well, obviously I, I can't execute a will for them. I'm not a, a licensed attorney. And so we talk through who is doing what, who's who has what responsibilities, you know, where the lanes, if you will. What I have also discovered, however, is that for those tasks that fall clearly and, and actually entirely on the client side, some clients just like sprint and get everything done in no time. Other clients maybe struggle. They have a busy life or whatever the case may be. And ultimately, after a period of time, you recognize that. And so I'll just I'll be very straight with them. I'll say, hey, you know, regarding this one thing here, you know, it seems like we've uh, been you know, working on it for a while. Would you like me to hold you accountable? Oh. And 100% of the time, they say yes. <laughs> right. They say yes. Yes, Bill. I, I, yes. And I said, okay, so I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, you know, based on whatever their situation is, I, I tell them, you know, hey, I will send you an email or I'll call you at, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, whatever, again, based on their situation. And I'll just simply ask you how that thing is going. You don't need to respond to the email. You just need to know what's coming. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and they love that stuff. You would right. you would think that they would like, uh, you know, but they they really embrace that. So again, in 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 some ways, I don't know if you would say that that's leading or if that's serving. It's it seems like it's both. Uh, so on um, on that side, where I can't really do that task for them, I give them what it is that they actually really need, which is someone 
is holding them accountable. They know that in a week or whenever they're going to get an email or Bill is going to ask in the next meeting, hey, how did that thing go? And, you know, they know that they don't want to disappoint me, I guess, or they, you know, they want to get their stuff done. And so they'll, they'll take care of those things. Um, so that's kind of how it falls into that, that direct phase where we're actually executing the plan. Again, I'll run things, you know, sort of um, independent of them. They, they may have to sign some paperwork, but I'll, I'll take care of it. And in these other areas, if it looks like it, you know, then I'll fall in on more of an accountability role, even if I can't actually execute that step for them. Yeah, you know, I, I really like you asking permission. I think that's very empowering as well, because some some advice was just kind of call you. They'll avoid the phone call. They'll send the emails and, you know, you get blown off for the next three to four months. Right. And then they say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I missed your phone call. I was on vacation or, you know, the excuses mm-hmm. kind of pop up. But I think the fact that you ask for permission um, really empowers them to say, listen, you know, he's doing this for my best interest. There's there's no other reason why he would need to. Um, reach out or call, except for the fact that he's trying to help me get over this next step. And I think that's very, very powerful. And it kind of speaks to your character because you know that there is no monetary benefit for you to get the will executed, right? Your financial plan, your job is done, right? You let them know that a will needs to be done. You know, these are the, you know, the people that are um, beneficiaries and things of that nature. You need to take this to a lawyer, get this done. Your job is done. So that is going above and beyond. And I think that's where that servant um, aspect comes in. So you say, you know, when does the servant leader kind of kick in? I think at that point, you're technically 100% serving them because you become, like you said, their accountability partner. And that kind of leads me to my next idea. In the military, there's a culture, right? There's a standard of conduct. And and one thing, you know, you know, I get is that everybody needs to play on the same sheet of music, right? So everybody needs to be on the same page. So can you kind of tell us what that's like um, getting you and your clients on the same page as far as setting expectations, um, as far as the planning process goes. Can you kind of explain what that's like? Yeah, the term that we use in the military is rules of engagement, or ROE, of course. You know, we always have to use acronyms in the military. <laughs> and uh, so in the first client meeting, in other words, we, they've decided to sign on with Acadia, and uh, we're in you know, step three, the plan execution the first conversation we have is the rules of engagement conversation where I explain to them how I communicate with them, whether it's through email or whatever the case may be and what they can expect as far as response times and how I handle weekends and holidays. And then I also talk to them about meetings and you know what I'm looking for from them. You know, there's certainly there's a quarterly meeting, but there may be random things that come up and you know, I encourage them to reach out to me. It's interesting that and perhaps you have the same experience clients tend to not want to bother you <laughs> in turn, now, there's certainly those that don't mind calling you every day but uh, in general they're like well I didn't want to you know I was like I thought I'd save that up and, and just you know hit several things at once and and I want the opposite I want them to reach out to me you know almost any time that they have a question or something so that they can move forward and so again I address that what you know what are the rules of engagement on meetings and again communication and and lay out ultimately expectations. What I'm expecting from them, quite frankly, as a client, and in order, you know, the things I will need from them to be able to serve them and, and do everything right by them, but then also what they can expect from me. And, and not just what, but like how, again, response time on emails or, or you know, 
if they email me on the weekend, you know, what does it look like and things like that. So I spend a fair amount of time laying that all out as well as laying out a phased approach, if you will, it's a military kind of expression, but a phased approach to the plan itself. You know, hey, right up front, we're going to do these certain things. I call them top topics. Okay. And we'll do these three top topics, you know, right off the bat. And then for all of the sub areas, you know, emergency uh, account or state planning or cash flow management, you know, whatever these other areas are, I've got things laid out as well. And I'll, I'll manage their expectations because, as you know, sometimes a client will come to you and, and they're convinced that their biggest concern, their biggest deficiency might be you know, not having life insurance. Whereas once you've looked at everything, maybe your biggest concern is in an entirely different area. And so I think it's very important right up front, again, as part of these rules of engagement so that they know where I'm taking them instead of them wondering, why, why haven't we gotten to my life insurance yet? Or why is it that we're dealing with my estate plan when uh, you know, I was really kind of concerned about retirement? And so again, you know, laying out all of those expectations, the rules of engagement right up front, first client meeting, uh, that really helps solidify the relationship going forward. And if, if after a period of time I kind of notice maybe I haven't heard from them or they're delaying in their response to emails or whatever the case, you know, I kind of get a sense for things. I'm sure you do as well. I'll, I'll just literally get out in front of them and I'll say, hey, look, uh, you know, I noticed that, uh, that you know, I'm not getting much of a response on my communications. Is there a different way that you would prefer to hear from me or right. is there something there I need to understand? And they're pretty open and transparent and they'll, and they'll either change the way we communicate or they'll just apologize and say, hey, sorry, Bill, I just haven't gotten around to it, but uh, but I'll, I'll get on top of that. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's beautiful as well. You know, relationships grow, right? Whether professional or personally. So sometimes things change in people's lives. You never know. Maybe they're going through some marital issues. Maybe, you know, something's happened in their family and, and maybe they've lost somebody or somebody's terminally ill or got diagnosed with an illness they're dealing with. So we definitely understand as financial planners that things come up. Um, one point I do want to put out there to all the listeners out there. I mean, if you're listening to this conversation and you're wondering why he hasn't talked about allocations or he hasn't talked about, you know, cash and cash equivalents and in, in, in investing at this point is because as financial planners, our duties and responsibilities to the client is to make sure that their financial life is in place. And some things don't seem like they have numbers as far as, you know, your your insurance. You know, you know, you have insurance, but how much is the policy? You know, how much are um, how much is your car rate? How much is your mortgage rate? Those are the things that we do for you as clients. One more point I, I do want to put out there um, as far as bill is that we're managing expectations of what financial planning is all about as well. Because a lot of people don't even know what financial planning is or what financial advisors do, right? They, they, they think that they hand you a check and then you go into the market and you go make them buku money, right? That's what they think it is. But what Bill is doing, he's actually engaging clients and managing emotions, managing expectations and letting them know, like, listen, I am on the same side as you and I want to accomplish those same goals that you want to as well. Because we're on the same team. Is that right, Bill? Amen. Yeah. So... So, you know, if you're out there listening right now, you never dealt with a financial planner or a financial advisor. If he starts just talking about numbers right away, then you may want to run for the hills a little bit. He needs to get to know you, how you're going to be. Because as fiduciaries, we always put the client's best interest first. But you know what that means? Sometimes that means saying no. 
sometimes that means we're not going to be a good fit. If you are uh, very distant and you don't like communicating, maybe, you know, you know, Bill as your advisor may not work, right? Maybe it's not going to work for me as well. But if you're open to having somebody hold you accountable, making sure that you take care of the things that are priorities in your life and you need somebody as a sounding board to help you make those decisions. If you need somebody who's going to be honest with you and, and direct and make sure that you're on track to reach your goals, Bill's your person. You know, he's disciplined. He's organized. He's going to make sure that you get what you need done. And the thing is, at the end of the day, let's remember, guys, you are paying for this service. So if you're paying somebody to do the work and you're delaying, you're paying for something that you're not taking advantage of. And Bill is such a nice guy. He's not going to do like most, you know, I'm not going to throw the industry under the bus, but some advisors where they'll just collect. They'll just keep collecting month after month, whether you call back or not. And Bill's not like that. He really cares about his clients, who he brings on, who he works with. So, so with that said, Bill, can you just, before we go into um, a little commercial break here, um, can you describe what it's like to work with you? Just a, a big, broad um, stroke here. Sure. I would say that uh, when I started constructing Acadia, I intentionally thought about all of the things that I did not like about this industry or working with an advisor, and I chose the opposite. So I take a very transparent uh, position, meaning everything is laid out. There's no uncertainty as to what the fee is or what the services are. I take a, a very aggressive stance on communication. I can't tell you how many times, I'm sure you've heard this as well, uh, you're talking to a prospective client and they complain that they never hear from their advisor. So I work aggressively. I, I think I've told you in past conversations, I track when my last communication was with a client. And right. I always make sure it's never more than a month. So I guess I would say is, to answer your question, I would hope that the interaction with me is the opposite of any previous experience that someone has had with a financial advisor. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're going to pause right there for a second. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please go and subscribe. Uh, be sure to leave comments and questions. Um, we'll love to hear from you. Um, it is your feedback that allows this podcast to keep growing and getting better with every show. If you're struggling with your finances and looking for an advisor that shares your faith and not just your zip code, um, be sure to schedule your free consultation at www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash consultation. Um, if you love the podcast, uh, we are sure you'll also love our Faith and Finance blog that releases new posts every Tuesday and Thursday where you can find more articles on faith, finances, and how to avoid some of those financial pitfalls so you can retire and stay retired happily ever after. Just go to our website, click on Christian Media, and you'll have access to all the resources we provide for Christian investors like you for free. Um, before we get back to the show, let me just say, make sure you also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and YouTube. Just Google AB Ridgeway Wealth Management or check the description below and all links will be provided. Um, keep checking back because our merchandise store is coming soon. If you are just joining us, you've missed 
a heck of a show. He has let us know about his planning services, his time in the military, working at the Pentagon, his discipline, his organization, how he deals with clients, what's financial planning, how he reaches out and he communicates with his clients. And now we're going to the second part of this interview, which I think a lot of you are waiting for. Um, we are going to talk to Bill about how he is building his investment firm without doing any marketing. I thought this was astounding how he truly leans on God's provision to provide for him and his family and his business. Um, he has a very unique business proposition and I just can't wait for him to kind of explain it. So let's start off with that, Bill. How does that work? How, you know, everybody thinks marketing and advertising is like the bread and butter of a firm, you know, either you're paying an outside marketing agency or, you know, you have these outsourcing um, people that do the work for you, but you say that you don't do any marketing or advertising and your firm is growing. He explains that to us. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, it is surprising and a little bit of credit where credit is due. So I was with a, a really a wonderful family owned firm uh, for about three years and they really did not do any marketing either. Uh, much like myself, of course, they had a website, but uh, beyond that, uh, they really didn't do any kind of advertising or, or the kind of marketing pushes that you might conventionally think of. And so that's where a big part of it is, is coming from because they relied heavily on referrals. And, and so, you know, that's certainly where a lot of my uh, business comes from. But uh, the other, I guess, source of of uh, prospective clients are just simply, uh, again, the website or the associations that I have as a CFP or as a CKA. Uh, people will find you on those kind of websites or XYPN for that matter and then make their way to you. Uh, but again, to answer your, your main point there, no, I do not do any marketing other than a website. And my reason for that is I found that when I made the effort to drum up business, if we can call it that, it just always seemed to fall flat. Mm. And I'm still reflecting on that and having conversations with you and our friends about that. But it just always seemed to not go very far. And I kept thinking about Job. And as we know, Job uh, had a, a real uh, rough patch, uh, to put it lightly. Right. And so there's a famous verse out of Job, and, and unfortunately, uh, only the first half is ever really quoted. And in, in the, the verse is, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And that's all you, that's how it ends. But that's not the full verse. The full verse is, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. May the Lord's name be praised. Mm. And so it occurred to me as, as, again, my marketing efforts really weren't going anywhere, that I was just going to step back and I was going to put this in God's hands. And literally, whoever comes my way, and in my mind, when they make that first appointment or they email me, however this works out, that in my mind, they literally came to me from God. His, his provision uh, brought them my way. Now, Truthfully, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll even have a conversation uh, or for that matter that uh, we'll wind up even bringing them on as a client. Uh, but a lot of people uh, do come my way from a, a variety of sources. But 
I take joy in knowing <laughs> that I had nothing to do with it. You right. know, I, they aren't <laughs> responding to my personality or my right. sales pitch or, right. or literally anything that I've done other than, again, a, a website and, and, you know, things that I post on LinkedIn, I suppose. But uh, I really take joy in knowing that, you know, ironically, uh, I didn't do anything, meaning I can't take credit for it uh, specifically. I was kind of chuckling under my breath a little bit because, you know, my podcast is the same way. You know, you know, there's a style to this thing, right? People's like, hey, you have to have a three to five second hook and you got to have the the latest buzzwords in, in your title and you have to draw people in and make them want to listen to your show. And and that's just not me. You know, I, I made the joke and anybody who's listening, you can actually rewind to the very beginning of the show. I said I have one of the longest podcast you know, introductions, you know, out there. The reason is because the, the critique I get from other podcasters is your intro is too long. You're going to lose your client or you're going to lose the listener. And I told them, I don't care. Those aren't the listeners I want to listen to. That's not who God has sent my way. God has sent people who are going to listen to valuable information and get interviews just like this. So if they missed Bill Jensen explaining how great God can be in their life because they can't wait 30 seconds or a minute, that's not that's not our fault, right? That doesn't come on our shoulders. That's that's theirs. So I just think that's very great that you stay genuine to who you are and what God has put on your heart. And he's going to bring the people to your life that's going to be fulfilled and actually going to be beneficial, right, in the long run. And I just think that's very wonderful. Now, as far as the um, exposure, God still provides because I have a podcast. You may not have a podcast, but guess what? Now you get to, you know, my listeners get to be introduced to you. So now you get thousands of people um, and God has sent them your way. You know, God is going to provide for you. You know, you don't necessarily have to kind of overstep, you know, your comfort zone too far. Um, God is going to be able to um, to execute your plan as long as you stay faithful and and continue to praise him for what he's given you. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and really, I think the the proof in this approach found in the results. I mean, that's that's what you would you would hope that you can point to the results. And I. I think I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago or so that I had more clients in less than a year and a half than I had gained in the three years that I was with uh, the firm that I mentioned earlier. Wow. And again, not marketing, not uh, making any effort, you know, besides, like I said, uh, a website, posting stuff on LinkedIn, making sure my profiles are accurate, you know, across the different uh, credentials, but not, uh, Know, going out seeking clients and I, I think really the, the problem for me goes back to some of the military conversations that we were having earlier with power and your rank and you know your uniform kind of makes the argument for you even if you're wrong is if I went out there and I promoted myself and I brought clients in well then I, I think I well I know who I would give the credit to right. Mm. Right. Whereas in this case, you know, it didn't work. I mean, it just <laughs> fell flat. No one was like, oh, okay, yeah, thanks, you know. But no one, I, I just didn't seem to you know, have any kind of ability to draw them in through my own efforts. And so I, I simply let go of all of that. And sure enough, I mean, the firm has just grown. And uh, so I, I'm left in a position, and I, and I say that in a good way, I'm left in a position where I can only give credit to God 
uh, for the growth that we've enjoyed. You know, That's where it should be. This is the way it should be. And speaking of, um, some of our listeners may not be familiar with Kingdom Advisors. Um, they hear us, you know, quote scriptures. And obviously this podcast is about faith and finances. So we always praise God. Um, we always bring in a good scripture. We're, we're making sure that God stays in our finances. Now, can you tell us a little bit more what it's like to be in Kingdom Advisors, how that's affected your practice and how you use God in your practice to help serve clients? Great question. Yeah. So the Certified Kingdom Advisor credential is a rigorous, uh, you know, highly academic program. Uh, I would say it, it takes about three months to go through all the academics, so then you have to prepare for an exam, and uh, and 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 really there is a, a, an intertwined experiential requirement because you can only get the CKA if you already have another credential, for example, a CFP or you know you're a, a CPA. Uh, so so by default they already know that you have experience and so programmatically that's how it's set up and it's through i think it's uh, the wesleyan university so they they have a you know true academic institution uh, that's providing the curriculum and again it's very rigorous the test was like six hours long uh, it was yeah it was you know both a practicum and a q or a uh, you know um multiple choice type of uh, exam and again I, f I found it very rigorous so that's that's the credential side of it you know what what does someone have to do and what do they know to have the CKA and, and they've set it up in a pretty savvy way so that by the time you get the credential you're already well established in your career field and mm -hmm. now what you've done is you've added a biblical uh, perspective uh, almost like a capstone uh, piece to your expertise Right. So that's the first part. As, as far as applying it or inter integrating it into my firm, in some ways it's pretty simple. Uh, for example, I open and close all of my meetings in prayer. I, I you know, establish that routine uh, pretty much from the very, very beginning, uh, maybe even from the introductory meeting when I first meet somebody, and then all the way through to more complex things. I, you know, the Kingdom Advisors uh, organization provides a really great curriculum on. Uh, couples communication or on how to understand your risk tolerance and, and a bunch of other material uh, videos and handouts that uh, you can use you know, depending on what the client's needs are to help them think differently to help them think biblically about their finances and I use a lot of that material with all of my clients in fact I you know a little geekery here I have a little spreadsheet where I've got all of these mm -hmm. different tools that they provide and I kind of track when or if I've ever used them with a client so that I, mm. I know I know whether or not I can use a certain sound bite and they would they would know what that means when I use it kind of thing so uh, so Kingdom Advisors provides a ton of curriculum and then ultimately when it comes to that you know let's describe all of that as knowledge right well right. then there's that wisdom piece what it really comes down to then is I'll tell the client that you know, based on everything that you've told me, based on all of uh, the the data, you know that's that's you know one option. Based on what I know about you, and based on how I would place this maybe in a biblical context, I think actually maybe the other option might be advisable. But you need to pray about it. You need to think about it. You need to be at peace with, let's say, this choice that's in front of us. And then ultimately be content in knowing that you're going forward as best as you can perceive it, following God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so 
it it really shows up in a lot of different ways again as simple as opening and closing meetings and prayer all the way through to actual physical you know tools if you will that kingdom advisor provides and then all the way through to application and how i interact with a client and, and how i encourage them to lean on their faith for making you know potentially making a decision or at least making some choices now let me say this this is important yeah. uh, when i'm meeting with a prospective client I do not ask them what they believe. I don't ask them if they're a Christian. I don't have any expectation of them at all. If if they want to share with me, and, and a lot of the times they do, well, that's that's fine. That's on them. So I don't have any requirement or expectation of them. But I need them to know <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of who they're who they are considering, who they who they may hire, right. and then who they're going to be working with. And so I'm very overt, very clear as to the perspective that I bring to being a a Christian financial advisor, not just a financial advisor who's a Christian. Yeah, and I I 100% agree with you. I think a lot of people have that perception. You know, oh, he's going to try to convert me, or he's going to try to do this. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to be who I am and you're going to get who I am because it's built into my lifestyle. This is not something I have built into my firm. You know, it's you as a person that's that they're being drawn to because there's there's a lot of people on different faith levels. You know, some people let me take a step back here. My job is to spread the gospel through finances. I think that's what I've been called to do. I, you know, I, I think finances and the gospel are just like kind of like my bread and butter. They just kind of go together. Right. So when people come in. You know, maybe maybe they don't know about, you know, God, maybe they don't know about Christ. And I'm able to introduce them, says, listen, I like what you're doing, A.B. What is it about you that makes you so special? And then I'm I have the permission to start talking about God and how he's worked through my life and how he has helped me get to this point, because I get it all the time. You know, hey, A.B., you're just you have so much wisdom. You have so much knowledge. And, you know, you know, what's going on? And, you know, how do you get this? And I just hand him the Bible. Here you go. I'll give you the blueprint. <laughs> you know, you don't have to follow me. But what I what I do also um, with my clients is let them know that God's going to shine through you. And just like you said, the four steps, this, you know, these are my four steps as well. First, we're going to see God. I, I want you to really find out what he wants in your life and not what man wants, not what your wife wants, not what your kids want. What, what does God want for you in your life? Second, you're going to seek many counselors, Right. You know, with many counselors, plan, succeed, and, and without them, um, they tend to fail, right? After you've looked at all the data, the information, all that kind of stuff, I want you to pray again. I want you to reflect on what you know. You know, what information did you get? It Where is it from? You know, what's the source? Is it from um, the left? Is it from the right? Is it from Christians? Is it from non-Christians? Is it people who believe, people who don't believe? And then I want you to make a decision. You know, I want you to pray and I want you to make a decision. Because now I know you've taken the right steps in order to come to a conclusion. If you just rely on me to 100% guide you, then, you know, you, you'll never really learn how to be self-sufficient. See, what I want to do, I don't want people to lean on me forever. You know, I want some of my clients to graduate. <laughs> you know, I want, I want to be able to take, say one day and say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I really appreciated working with you. But at this point, you're great. You're doing a great job. There's nothing really else that we really need to you. God bless you. If there's something else I can help you with, but I don't feel comfortable taking more money from you um, when there's no more service need to be provided. And and, and that's and to me, that's a blessing. 
you know, because, you know, advisors don't really say this, but you know how advisors have minimums. Okay. You, you have to have a quarter million minimum or whatever it is, but there's also maximums. There's, there's a maximum amount of product production that you can actually provide or service you can provide to a client to me, in my opinion. And you have to know where that threshold is to best serve their needs. It says, Hey, you know, let me recommend somebody else to you that I think could take you a little bit further than what our services can provide. And I think that's really caring about the client. And so when clients come to me, I want to figure out where you're at in that spectrum. I'll either tell you, yes, I can help you. If somebody comes in with $20 million, I'm going to have to kindly say, sir, the services that we provide do not accommodate for this amount of wealth. We need to get you to somebody else who can help manage it. That's what being a fiduciary is. That's what's doing what's in their best interest. And I think that's what God wants us to do as well. You know, I think he wants us to be able to be honest with our clients, to be able to put their their emotions, their finances first and do what's in our strengths. Just like you said, you know, you go out, you meet people. That's not your strength. Your strength is to be solid. Let God provide for you and be a quality advisor when they walk into that office. And that's how I feel. What about you? I agree. And I think one of the, the nightmare scenarios for a client would be if they're having a conversation with a friend, a neighbor, and somehow their investment or something you know comes up or funding for college. And the neighbor, you know, the, that's not my client, asks my client a question. Oh, really? Well, so why are you doing that? Uh, you know, why that approach or why that plan? Again, nightmare scenario is for my client to say, well, I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. what my advisor told me to do. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I've told my clients, if you ever feel like you're in that situation, you have my permission to call me up immediately and fire awesome. me. Right. Because not only do I uh, provide you with the information and the direction and the plan and the answers to your questions and so on, but I instruct you and provide you with the how and the why yes. behind the plan so that you literally could turn to the neighbor and say, well, my advisor ran me through a risk tolerance survey. It came out to such and such allocation. So that's where we're positioned. Uh, our timeline is X, Y, and Z. And you know they can almost uh, give a, a little mini sermon on right. why I have them set up the way that I have versus simply saying, I don't know. It's just what my advisor told me to do. I, I, uh, I, I just I cringe at the thought of that. So, <laughs> so to your point, it's you're teaching. You're teaching yes. your clients everything that they need to know to be successful. It isn't just executing a plan. And so, yeah, you would hope at some point your clients, uh, I, you know, I guess you could say graduate or move on. Now, I, I also know that, you know, quite frankly, life only gets more complicated, and that's a good thing. I mean, it does. You know, five grandchildren's more complicated than one, uh, and so, again, that's a good thing. Uh, so I, I don't know if anyone at any phase of life ever fully moves away from needing good, sound financial advice. But I agree with you in that, in a sense, if you mentor your clients, uh, they can reach a point where certainly some areas of their financial lives, they're self-sufficient. Yeah. And, and, and back to your point, too, as far as, you know, goals. And, and I think one thing I was kind of mentioning, too, as far as that graduation period is that sometimes we run into people who who may not be at that threshold where they need constant financial advice. They just may need a financial plan to, to outline their vision. Say, hey, listen, you know, I, I got some things I want to get accomplished. This is what I need outlined. Can you help me out? Um, to that point, 
And if you're unable to articulate your vision, that means it's not your vision. That means it's a, probably a cookie cutter vision of your advisor. And it, it really doesn't have uh, your core, you know, in it. And I think that's what you bring out of your clients. You bring out their vision and what their views are of the future. And you say, listen, these are the pros and cons here. You know, if we go down this route, you know, they, these are some of the dangers and things that, you know, when approach, I think you talked about earlier in the show. It was like, hey, these are the top th three things you may think that are a priority. Here are the top three things I think are a priority. You know, where do we need to meet to make sure that we get these things accomplished and as soon as possible? And, and I do understand what you're saying, too. You know, life does get more complicated as we, you know, get older and as we approach retirement. One thing I am a firm believer in is almost like you said, like rules of engagement. So sometimes in the very beginning stages, maybe the first four or five years or six years, we may be very tight as far as communication. Sometimes, like you said, monthly, weekly, you know, whatever that communication may be. But then it also may expand. You know, it says, hey, you know, we're, we're OK for the next quarter or so. Right. And then it's almost like that accordion effect where the relationship kind of expands and tightens as as necessary, but also realizing which direction that we need to, what kind of engagement do we need? You know, because sometimes they don't need full engagement. Sometimes they need a lighter experience. And, and that's what I meant by kind of graduating and kind of moving on. It's like, hey, you know, I really appreciate you, but you don't need me as much as you think you do. Right. Um, and that's just more empowering them to help them lighten that burden. And that's just, you know, my perspective. You know, we may have a little bit different um, aspect there, but I think we're really on the same page as far as make sure that vision is tight, making sure that client understands what they're doing, what they're paying for, and they're getting their money's worth, right? Because that's what we, you know, that's one of our pet peeves, right? Is is advisors getting paid way more money than what the work they're actually doing. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, you and I have had many conversations about the various pricing models and uh, what works best and, and what is really in the client's best interest. But you're right. I, I think there are a lot of firms out there that are way overcompensated uh, for the level of service that they provide. Uh, yeah. But, you know, maybe that's a, a good conversation for another day. That's it. Well, I have I have a new thing out here, Bill, as we kind of wrap up this episode that we do with every guest from now on. We're going to ask them to send out one prayer out to the listeners. So I want you to imagine you are face to face and you could only tell them one thing that would change their life forever if they knew this, what would it be? Well, the first thing that came to mind was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Beautiful. And it's a it's a, a great verse. I've leaned on it for decades now. And uh, if I could even just have one person hear that and take it to heart, uh, then I think think we've been successful today Elijah Juan. Yeah, I think we have. And Bill, you know, I, I want to give you an opportunity as well to let the listeners know where you're at, where they can find you. Sure. My website is Acadia FS, so think financial services, AcadiaFS.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn as William Jensen or William P. Jensen perhaps, uh, in Northern Virginia. And that's that's really it, I suppose. If you went to the Kingdom Advisor or CFP websites and did the Find It Advisor, uh, you know, you might track me down uh, in Fairfax Station, Virginia. Uh, but I suppose the website's the best place to start. That's perfect. And and as my listeners know, throughout the weeks, um, I will be posting some of your things. So as you come across William's post and um, things of that nature, and and some of these clips that may be coming out, I want you to um, reach out to him, give him a kudos or or whatever may come your way. 
But I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on its website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management client pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnestine podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.